Hi, this is Peter Rivera, and I'm the original drummer and lead singer of the group Rare Earth. We've had a long career, 50 years. We've played all over the world. We've recorded many, many albums and lots of hit singles. I'm going to talk about them all. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the stories. So suddenly we found ourselves alone and not doing much of anything. We promoted Hub ourselves. I remember that uh, Alan Rosefield had clients that actually wanted to put up some money to put us on a promotion tour. And so we um, decided to go do that. So we went all over the country. I'm talking Dallas and New York and Chicago, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Detroit, Cleveland. And each town we went into, we hired the uh, promotion company who then invited the record uh, radio stations to come to dinner at a local restaurant, a good restaurant, like French food and everything. I mean, it was a great time. And we flew here and we did that, you know, Tom and me and Mike and we met all these radio people and they came in and had dinner and everybody was having a great time. <laughs> and of course we were playing the album on a stereo system in the restaurant and everybody was having a great time on our dime. And we kept going and we went to the next city in Boston and, and uh, got the restaurant, you know, and brought the people in for it and the big dinner, just having a ball. And nothing really came of it. I mean, uh, they enjoyed it. And they sure did know what Hub was after a while. And then it kind of dwindled away. You know, the Hub thing was a lot of fun for us. So we were having fun. But, you know, everything gets so tied to Rare Earth and the original records that it's tough when you try anything else. Now, I know that the couple guys, few guys from Rare Earth went on without me and they got uh, singers. They got Jerry LaCroix from White Trash. They even were talking to David Clayton Thomas and a couple other singers, uh, Paul Warren on guitar and, and they were trying everything and the roadies were still my friends, buddies. And they'd call me and tell me about the new guy that uh, the Rare Earth got, a new singer, he sounds just like you. And I told them, I says, no, you know, <clears throat> nobody sounds just like me. Only me. I sound like me. But, you know, I wasn't doing that like cocky or arrogant or anything. It's just, it's true. And, and they kept trying to duplicate what we had. And you just... You, you can't really do that in most cases. So anyways, they went on doing that and we had the hub thing and we thought, well, you know, what are we going to do now? So what happened was not too long after that, Barney Ailis came back to Motown. And when he came back, he carved himself a really good deal. He was getting his own label within Motown, and it was called Prodigal Records. Barney was trying to do the same thing he did with Rare Earth labels many years before, 
So everyone was kind of excited. Alan Rosefield called and told me that Barney wanted us to come back to the studio and do an album. We thought, oh, this will be great to do. And Barney was kind of offering me and uh, Mike Urso a little payment to come back to the company. And we contacted, uh, you know, they paid Gil because, you know, Gil had kind of the rare thing and I had, I was the singer. So we came back and we contacted Ray and Mark. And Ray and Mark said, no, they wouldn't come back unless they got a pretty big chunk of money. And Barney says, well, we're not going to pay them to come back. Uh, You know, they're not the singers or the writers or nothing. They're great players, but we're just not going to pay to do that. So we were in the studio the night we were supposed to start a new project. And that's when Ray and Mark got word to us shortly before studio started that they weren't coming. So there was a bit of craziness about that. Here we were, you know, in the studio with a record producer. His name was James Carmichael, and he had done Lionel Richie and the Commodores, and he had lots of hits. And James was a a sweet guy and a very talented guy. And his engineer was named Cal Harris. And Cal Harris was a great engineer. And the two of them were a team, and here we were, Rare Earth. So what happened was, is we were in Studio B in Los Angeles. And in Studio A which was just 50 feet away, there was a session going on and we were listening a little bit and the guitar player was really good. And the keyboard player was really awesome too. So we went in and told them we were scheduled for a session and would they be interested in coming in? And they both said, uh, yeah will come right over. So we were now in the studio with a complete Rare Earth band. I wanted to have Ray and Mark back so we could get the group together. But we negotiated and talked and tried to get them to do it. And in the meantime, we took album pictures and the whole album was released. It's a, an orange album called Rare Earth, Rare Earth, Rare Earth, Rare Earth, Rare Earth. And I really enjoyed doing it. Carmichael was one hell of a producer. However, that rare earth thing, again, was not quite there. What is that thing? That rare earth thing? I think it's just a a feeling unity, unified, and uh, going for the same trophy. So it's kind of how you play the game. And... uh, We're trying to play it, and we're going to keep on, I'm sure. Ron Franson and Dan Ferguson helped us with that album with Carmichael, and uh, we thank you very much. And We had high hopes for that, as we do every record we record, but something, you know, was missing, missing, and... uh, it was good to know that, that uh, Ray and Mark were coming back and now we were going to be a whole group again. 
we had been asked to travel a bit and do some shows for some people that, you know, want to bring us out there. So we decided to do that. And all the court case trial was over. We were back together at the other end of the storm. And uh, we started doing shows. We'd go out on the highways of America with a trailer and a road crew, and we did shows all over for, well, we started in uh, 1st of 1980 and went uh, till 83. And we played all over the country. Like I said, we were on the highway every day. Sometimes we'd get as many as 18, 20 cities in a row. But they were all rootable back then, you know, because, you know, well, there was enough money for the rooting so we could get there and handle our travel. So things were pretty good. You know, we went out, hey, okay. So we went out in 80, and we went out in 81. And... 83, the same thing again. And I guess what happened is we didn't change the show up. You know, add songs, take them away. We, we just did kind of the same show. And, uh, you know, that just, you know, it, it causes you problems. You need to, need to work, need to stay at it and, and just keep going. But, uh, playing the same songs in the third place three or four times. So naturally we could had to stop doing those venues. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you that after we did the Carmichael album, some time went by and we were commissioned to the new Prodigal Records by Barney Ellis at Motown. So we talked with them and we got a two album budget. And they had a producer that they were talking about and he seemed like a pretty cool guy. We met him. His name was John Ryan. And I guess he, he uh, used to produce a little Rick Springfield and some people along the way, but he's always been there doing records and music, John Ryan. So we started the first album with John. There were songwriters and our songs and cover songs and he would come in and, and uh, we would rehearse and he gave us pretty clear reins. And then once we got the idea going the way we kind of wanted it, then he would expand on it and and uh, clean it up, you know, make it make it working. Working better than we thought we could make it work. So we did an album with John, and lo and behold, at the end of the first album, we found out that Mr. Ailis was going to leave Motown again. So we hurried into the second album. And we were recording constantly all day into the nights, day after day. So both albums were done at the same time. 
they were released. Uh, never really got any notoriety. It was fun making them. And uh, so now it's time to move on again because we weren't getting that thing. I mean, we just weren't getting it. And that thing is so important. I just wanted to take a second and tell you that I'm, I'm really glad you're listening to this podcast. You know, I sometimes have so many memories of things that went on that I can't imagine putting it in an outline. So it was recommended to me to just turn on a microphone and talk. And I'm, I'm doing that. And every once in a while, you know, whether I clear my throat or something or whatever, you know, I have to do those little edits and stuff. So my voice sometimes changes, you know, because maybe I'm talking for a while and then all of a sudden I'm drinking lots of water and, and uh, coming back to it. The voice always sounds a little different. So I hope that's not bothering to you. And the other thing is that uh, I tend to sometimes skip around <laughs> as I do in my own life all the time. But I'm trying to remember stuff and tell you about things that happen. And I really don't care how long it takes to tell you. I want to tell the whole story because in all honesty, of course I want everyone to listen. But I really want to have this as something that maybe my grandchildren or great-grandchildren or who knows when, what galaxy, wherever. It might be nice if, if they ever wanted to know a little bit about me. So I'm glad to do this and I'm going to just keep on going because I got so much stuff to talk about. Some good, bad, some interesting, some probably not. Anyways, I'm going to give it all and see where it goes and just have fun with it. And once again, I'm really glad you're listening. Let me tell you about this that happened. I'm not going to give you a year and when it happened, but it happened. I was playing uh, some shows in Sturgis for the annual bike rally. And I had gone on stage in the late afternoon. It was pretty hot out. So when the, we were walking off stage, I had a towel, you know, sweating real good. And I walked down the eight or ten steps from the stage to the ground level. And as I look out, there are motorhomes parked end to end in a big circle. And all the motorhomes are like the dressing rooms. So I'm coming off the stage and I'm kind of drying off. And I hear this from a distance. Horl back, you road dog. And I thought, what? Who could possibly know my last name? So I turn around and way over on one of the motorhomes on the stairs, the guy was standing there. I said, hey, how you doing? He says, you don't remember me. I said, what do you mean I don't remember? He says, he says my name is... Ted Nugent. And I said, oh, you know, I was a little embarrassed. So I said, oh, everybody knows you, Ted. So I kind of walked on over there and, and we met each other and, you know, hello, it's nice big hello. And it said, wow, imagine seeing you here, you know, out of Detroit and you've done so good for yourself and hey, I'm playing a show here. So after some pleasantries and laughing and all this other stuff, he says, you know, you really don't remember me, do you? I said, well, what do you mean, Ted? I remember you. I know you. 
He says, no, 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 no. He says, we got to go way, way back. What are you talking about? That's what Ted says. Way back when you were a junior in high school, I was like eighth grade. About four years younger. And I had a really good friend in school, high school. His name was Frank Noel. And Frank and I were driving around, we're coming back to his house. And he told me that you guys came in, came downstairs. He was over on the couch with a guitar. And his uh, buddy Tom, Frank's younger brother, Tommy, I didn't see him around right away. But Ted told me that he was playing a song called Johnny Be Good. And he says, Peter, you came over to me and you said, hey, kid, if you're going to play Johnny Be Good, you should have all the right words. And then Ted told me that I grabbed a pencil and some paper and I wrote the words out for him to Johnny Be Good. And I don't remember much else after that. I, I obviously gave him the paper back and eventually Frank and I left but I uh, just wanted to tell you about that. I, I sort of remember when it was. Uh, I'd have to really think about it. But hey, it is what it is. There you go. little Ted Nugent thing. One, two, three. Well, thanks for listening. My name is Peter Rivera, original lead singer-drummer of Rare Earth. And I really appreciate that you've listened to these podcasts. I hope you come back and check out more. I've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of the story for you. So come on back and hang with me for a while. I bring you flowers, baby, because you're the best. I'm going to treat you so much better than all the rest. I pull the chair out.